0: that the Lord is a trusted place to put our hope, and he is where our hope is found. Why? Because he is faithful to fulfill the promises of his word. And now, we've been talking a lot about Advent, and it is a time where we commemorate the expectant waiting and arrival of the Messiah in Christmas. And also, as was mentioned a lot this morning, um, Advent is meant to be a time to remember that we are currently expectantly waiting for the return of Christ. There was hope realized in the birth of Jesus all those years ago. And today we have hope in the promised return of Jesus at a day and hour not yet known. But still we wait with ex- expectation and hope of what's to come. Continuously we are preparing him room in our hearts, in our homes on earth. Our lives are hope-filled because we know the Lord will fulfill every promise made for the full and complete consolation, redemption, and restoration to come when Christ returns. Now, to be a little transparent, or maybe really transparent, um, in prep for this sermon, I quickly realized that I was like sitting in a lot of disappointment. Um, And I dare say, probably in some areas of my life, maybe hope seemed like, really far away, Um, just because of all that's gone on in the past couple of years, like, I just realized that's where I was at, and here I am, like, I'm going to talk about hope to the people, and I'm like, yeah, I don't know, it's not going to, it's going to be a little rough, so, um, so what I'm actually going to share today comes from this place of having to recently process with Jesus how deep and far I was feeling from the unshakable hope that he alone can offer and really allowing him to comfort me in that place of feeling disappointed. Um, I realized I was putting hope in my circumstances. I was putting hope in other people. I was putting a lot of hope in myself and um, my abilities. And I was really zoned in on my present circumstances so much that I, like, I couldn't even celebrate the hope we have in him and the reality of what is to come when he returns. And so if in any place in your life you feel disappointment or you find yourself maybe... Re- Resonating a little bit with what I'm saying, Um, in the midst of desperation, of sadness, disappointment, these things are not where we're meant to stay, right? And it's important when we find ourselves there to, to meditate on scripture, which is the word of God, the promises of God, the truth of who he is and the truth of who we are. Just to remind ourselves where our true hope comes from and to fix our mind, our soul, our body on the one worthy of our full and complete devotion, so today, we're going to do just that together in this big room. Um, we're going to read from the book of Luke, and we're going to take notes on a few people who live their lives from a place of biblical hope, which is basically waiting confidently with expectation that God will be faithful to what he has promised. Okay? So in the story we're about to read, we're going to see a couple people who are faithfully, faithfully waiting for the coming of the Messiah, the Savior. And from their lives, we can gain a lot of insight on how we can faithfully wait for the return of Jesus. And my prayer for us, like I said, is we're going to walk out here fully knowing how to faithfully wait for the promised return of Christ. Full of unwavering hope, thankful that he has been faithful to his promises, and again, expectant, like we are currently expectant, that he will accomplish all he's promised that has not yet been realized. So let's turn together in Luke. We're going to read from um, Luke chapter 2, verse 22 through 38. It's on the back of, um, what's it called? The handout that you get at the door. Bulletin. The bulletin. <laughs> I will define it. Um, the bulletin that you got at the door, or we're going to put it up here as well, or, or pull it up on your Bible, and I'll read for us. Just follow along with me. So again, it's Luke 2, 22 through 38. When the time came for the purification rites required by the law of Moses, Joseph and Mary took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. When the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, This child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against, so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul too. There was also a prophet, Anna, the daughter of Penuel, of the tribe of Asher. She was very old. She had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage and then was a widow until she was 84. She never left the temple, but worshipped night and day, fasting and praying, Coming up to them at that very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. This is kind of long. We're going to go into it and, and take some things from it that, that can encourage us today. So it starts out with us seeing Mary and Joseph, right? They're taking Jesus to the temple um, to consecrate him, meaning to dedicate him, his full mind, full spirit, this baby to the Lord, Right. Part of that was a sacrifice needing to be made. And so we see in here that they could either choose to take a couple of doves, a couple of pigeons. Um, And what we know from the Old Testament is that this means that they were a family that probably didn't have a lot financially. Um, So they wouldn't have been people with lots of fanfare, right, or attention in their own right when they came to the temple. But we can see from their actions, they're committed to the law of Moses. And throughout the entire passage, I find it interesting that Mary and Joseph don't say anything. Um, they were simply just doing the next thing according to the law. They were obedient to what had been asked by the Lord according to their child. And as they're honoring the Lord, right, as they're um, consecrating their baby to him, they receive, from Simeon's response to their baby, confirmation of a promise they had received before the birth of their baby. Simeon's reaction helped them be encouraged that Jesus was who they thought he was. It was encouraging to to them to the point where in the text it says they marveled at what Simeon said about Jesus, right? Although they knew who Jesus was, they still marveled at what was said about him, right? So I want us to spend some time right now marveling at who Jesus is, even though most of us, maybe all of us, know who he is, But have we taken time recently to actually marvel at who he is, right? So as we look through this text, um, my eyes were drawn to a few phrases used to, to talk about Jesus and describe him, helping to convey the hope he brought to the world, you know, on the day of his birth. So verse 25, he's referred to as the consolation of Israel. Verse 32, a light for revelation to the Gentiles. Verse 38, He is what the people have come to the temple looking for, and he's called the redemption of Jerusalem. And what is being said of Jesus here is true of the promises he fulfilled the day of his birth, and they're true for us today, right? We're not talking about this distant Messiah that has no connection to us. Like, all those things said about him, we can claim also, right? He was the fulfillment of these promises spoken of by the prophets, which we know today as the Old Testament. It's in the Old Testament. We read the prophets, right? Um, He was Israel's prior hope of what was to come. Jesus is our current hope of what is, and he is going to return and fully complete what he started, like we see in the book of Revelation, right, is the prophecy that there's going to be a return, and our hope is in what's to come. And we are promised he is coming back to complete full restoration of the brokenness we experience in this world. When we, when we think about broken families, we think about food crises, we think about sex trafficking, um, we think about broken relationships in our own life with friends oops, and family, we think about me hitting this microphone, how loud that was. Man, we are faithfully awaiting his return to restore everything to new. And when we consider, when we marvel at the weight of Jesus being the consolation of Israel, from verse 25, I want us to reflect for just a minute on the gravity of of what all that means, well, we can't even reflect on all of it, but on some of what of what that might mean, um, especially you know as we think about the Jewish people and all they had been through, right? All the many trials, all the many tribulations, waiting for the one who has been promised to be their comfort, their help, and their rescue, and he had finally come. He'd finally arrived. They'd waited for so long, many years in silence from God, right? Like, sometimes I find myself sitting for two hours and feeling like God's unanswered, and I'm, I'm pretty like, what? Where you at? Right? They waited so long. And so just imagine what it could have felt like to be there in that moment, realizing here he was. You know, but the whole time that people held on to the hope that their Messiah was coming one day, because the prophets had spoken of him, and God is faithful to his promises, they trusted, and eventually there he was, bringing with him comfort, help, and deliverance, the consolation of Israel. And he is that same promise to us, right? He's our consolation and disappointment. He is our consolation and suffering. He is our comforter. And then Simeon is also quick next to, to bring up that this is not just hope realized for the, for the Jews, but also for the Gentiles. So as he's you know, talking um, in Mary and Joseph's presence, he calls Jesus in verse 32, the light of revelation to the Gentiles. Simeon, he knew the, the word of the prophets well, right? We're told he was righteous and devout. And if we want to go back to some stuff in the Old Testament, head over to Isaiah 49. Um, not right now. Focus on me. Um, but <laughs> later maybe. Um, and a lot of the language that Simeon uses as he's you know, talking about who Jesus is and the reality of that kind of comes from in Isaiah, Isaiah 49 being being a prime spot to see some of that. And he sees Jesus, he holds him in his hands, and he, he cannot help but proclaim the truth of who this baby is and the prophecies fulfilled through his arrival and what it means for everyone, right? Salvation for all people. So Jesus is our consolation. He is our light, right? And in verse 38, we see also he's identified as the redemption of Jerusalem, and we say the word redemption of lot a lot, but the literal meaning in Hebrew of the word redemption means to ransom by a price paid in lieu of captives. And so this is the very picture, right, of what Christ did on the cross for us, paying our ransom so that we would no longer be captives to sin. Long ago they had hoped that God would fulfill his promise to send a redeemer. And he was faithful to those promises in Jesus. And today, Jesus is still our redemption, right? Because of Jesus, we're no longer captives to sin, no longer captives to, to lies we believe about ourselves or lies that we think about God. We can be no longer captives to addictions. Like, there's power in the name of Jesus and the resurrection on the cross. And because of Jesus today, we all have access to that freedom. And we live out of this place of hope, right, that Christ is coming back. So it's, it is this tension of, like, mm, This is great, what we're marveling at of who Jesus is. And also, we have hope that that it's even better to come. right? And Hebrews 9.28 assures us that, So Christ, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, will appear a second time, not to deal with sin, but to save those who are eagerly waiting for him. That's the key word there, eagerly waiting for him, um, which is what we're all doing. And Advent is that reminder, again, of what's already come to pass, we celebrate that during this season, that, that Jesus is our consolation. He is the light to the world and our redemption. But also, we, do re- we receive this call to remain hopeful and expectant for what's to come, still waiting for the fullness of the restoration promised and the return of Christ. He will appear a second time to save those who are waiting. And as we read the story of Simeon and Anna, Um, We chose to read that today because they're models, really, for us of what faithful waiting looks like practically, okay? So if we know he's coming back, I guess the question is now, like, how do we faithfully wait for the return of Christ? And when we look at Simeon and Anna, they they had very different experiences, and we can glean a lot as we look at at both of them, and we kind of compare and contrast both of them. And this is really the only place where where they are in Scripture, so what we know of them is right here. Um, So there's a lot of inferences that we can make, Um, and there's also a lot of inferences we can't make because there's not a lot said about them. But what we do know is they both find themselves on this day in the temple of the Lord and in the presence of the living Messiah because they were obedient, expectant, and faithful in their waiting. Their obedience, again, also looked very different. Their guidance from the Holy Spirit looked drastically different, but their blessing was the same, right? If you start on verse 25, it's where we get to hear about Simeon, the section on him. He's described as devout and righteous, letting us know this was a man who knew the word of the prophets, a very studied man who honored the law. And we also know he was waiting for a very specific word from the Lord, To come true, that word that he wouldn't die until he saw the Messiah—that's very specific. (laughs) Um, Simeon received that word, and he was in the temple that day because he was prompted by the Holy Spirit. um, Perhaps that the Messiah was going to be there, so he went in with expectation, knowing the Messiah the moment he saw him. He was blessed, and he gave an encouragement or word of knowledge to Mary and Joseph about the role. Um, their child would have in the world. And through this, they too were blessed. When we look at Anna, in verse 36 through 38, she has a completely different story, right? We know she was a prophet and she was very old and she was a widow. Um, And she's referred to as a prophet, but it's interesting, we don't see anything in the text that, that gives us a specific word that she was waiting on, like we did with Simeon. Um, But what we do know is that she is a woman who communes with God out of devotion, right? She was in the temple that day because she was always in the temple. She had never left it in years. She fasts, she prays, she never leaves. She committed herself to being with the Lord since the day she became a widow. Day in, day out. She ate there, slept there, waited there faithfully. And when the Messiah came, she knew him and was able to speak the truth of who he was to the others in her midst, who in verse 38 tell us were also looking for the redemption of Israel. So we know from this verse that um, she wasn't alone in there, in the temple. It wasn't just her. There were others who were also looking for the redemption. But for some reason, she is the one we learn about in the scriptures. So perhaps it can be inferred that amongst all her devotion stood out. Her faithfulness to the Lord positioned her to receive the blessing of knowing the Messiah upon first glance and sharing the good news with those around her. They both have similar stories in that once they identified him, they didn't keep it to themselves. They encouraged whoever was in front of them. And just like Anna and Simeon had been living their lives waiting for promises to be fulfilled in the coming of the Messiah, again, we too are waiting, Right for promises that can only be fulfilled in the promised second coming of Christ, and this side of Jesus's birth, I think is pretty great. You know, there's some things about it that are great. Um, we've already seen, right? We've already seen God like fulfill so many promises from the prophets in the Old Testament through the birth of Jesus, etc. But honestly, like somehow there's still days where it's difficult to. to live in with like hope and expectation because it's it's a little mucky over here right there's still disappointment there's still sadness there's still pain there's still all those things they're still here and the true thing is like we're all longing for the fulfillment of hope God has given us that one day he will make all things new right he will dry every eye every tear there'll be no more sickness no more pain we're going to be living with God and he is faithful to his promises And there is hope that that will be one day our reality. And so we're called to fix our eyes on that and faithfully wait and trust that it is coming. So this is something to ask yourself. Like, is it easier for you to relate to Simeon or Anna's testimony of waiting? And again, that answer will be different for all of us. Like, who who do you see yourself in most is something I've been thinking through and want to put out there to you guys. Because sometimes I think we can, maybe I can, be slow to move or obey because we're waiting for some specific direct word from the Holy Spirit, like what we see in Simeon's life. And obviously, we do believe the Holy Spirit speaks to us, so that is great to be praying and asking the Lord for clarity. Um, But I hope you're encouraged by Anna's life of devotion in the absence of a specific word from the Holy Spirit. Right? She postured herself through prayer, fasting, and literally just being thoughtful and mindful of where she put her physical self every single day. Her, her life made her one ready for the arrival of the Messiah when he came. She knew him when, she, when he came. And they both instantly knew, right? They both instantly knew that this baby was what they had been waiting for. One, Simeon, getting wisdom from the Holy Spirit. The other, it seemed, simply because of how close she was with the Lord. She just knew this is what she had been preparing to receive all of those years. And now while their faithful waiting played out differently, one, a studious knower of the scriptures, and the other, a woman devoted to sitting in the presence of the Lord, in the end, the same blessing of encouraging and recognizing the Messiah upon first glance was their reward. And... um, there are some things, like I mentioned, that are, that are up to interpretation in, in both pe- persons' stories, in both Simeon and Anna. But what is true about both is they were ready. And they were hopeful, prepared in two very different ways, but both ready, and they knew him when they saw him. There was no doubt in their mind, their hope fully resting in the promises of God, the promises that they would one day receive their Messiah, their consolation, and their Redeemer. And they did receive. So, whether you consider yourself a prayerful, fasting type, or the studious, theological type, um, honestly, we're all a mix of all of it. Like, we're called to study the scriptures, we're called to pray, we're called to fast. Um, but I think sometimes there's this interesting, like, comparison that we can find ourselves having with other people of, like, how, how does that person know God, or how did they get there? Um, but no matter where you find yourself, um, spending a lot of your time as you commune with the Lord, we're all getting ready, right? And hopeful for Jesus' return. And that's what it's all about. We're anticipating it because with it comes the fulfillment of so many promises our hearts are yearning for and hopeful to see realized. And when our hope is fixed on the only one worthy, we'll never be disappointed. He is trustworthy. And I encourage you to spend some time with the Lord over the next week asking him to increase your hope in his faithfulness so you may be an encouragement to those you meet along the way, just like Simeon and Anna were that day they met the Messiah. And ultimately, may the God of hope fill you with joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, there's a lot in our walk as Christians that, that we can do, right, to, to remember, to be reminded, to be expectant. And today we're going to actually get to do communion together. So I'm going to invite um, those that are going to pass out the elements in the band. You guys can come back up. And I do ask that you don't take the elements until um, Danny will give us the go ahead on that. But we just put yourself in a posture to, to ask the Lord um, to show you where, where he wants to increase your hope today and who he is and the promises to be fulfilled.